You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Let's start practicing this. Merry Christmas. You're getting it. You're getting it. We are in Christmas week. Uh, If we haven't met, my name is Brian. I'm lead pastor here. So glad that you could join us for our series that we're in. Before we jump into the message today, though, I have a a couple quick announcements because uh, we haven't really talked about this too much, but this is the last Sunday, emphasis on Sunday. This is the last Sunday until we get into 2023. So as a quick reminder, before we uh, move forward, no in-person Sunday services next Sunday, December 25th, or on January 1st. Enjoy the holidays. Hang out with your family. Invite people over. We will have some online opportunities for you uh, on both of those days. So if you want to invite people, have church at your house, host a little brunch, invite me over. I'm all for the brunch uh, hours. uh, Fantastic. But that is going to be happening, which means that we will not gather on Sunday until January 8th. And we are shifting things just a little bit into the new year. New service times, especially for you guys. 9 a.m. like normal, but for this service, we're moving it to 1045. And here's why, you guys. I've just heard from so many of you. You're like, Brian, I wake up, and I just can't wait for church. And I just keep waiting for the 11 o'clock hour to arrive, and we can't attend the 9, and I just wait and wait and wait. And like, okay, we are here for you. We're going to move this up just a little bit. And uh, just for the, uh, uh, as we get into the new year, new service times, we'll make sure to remind you again going into January 8th, but wanted to put that on. On your radar. But today, 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 we are continuing in our series that we are calling Adore. And as I'm sure you know, this, this title of this series is from the classic song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And it has this beautiful line, O Come Let Us Adore Him. This is the season, the time of the year that we're reminded uh, of this invitation from God for us to encounter God, to participate uh, with God, to understand that God came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's beautiful. And and if we're not careful, though, during the Christmas holidays, we can just cruise right on through singing these Christmas songs, again, that I'm all for. And we do all of the things and all the pageantry. And it's great. Again, I I love it all. In fact, today, my family's going to go through Peacock Lane. We're going to go down to Pioneer Square, see the tree. I'm for all of those things. But if we're not careful, we just cruise right through all of these things. And and we begin to to, uh, not internalize the depth of what this season is all about. For instance, in this song, uh, O Come All Ye Faithful, O Come Let Us Adore Him, when I slow down, sometimes I begin to look at these lyrics, and sometimes the lyrics are complex. Other times, they just feel distance, because if we're not careful, we look at a word like, like this word, faithful, and we think, well, this is an invitation, O Come, All Ye, right? All Ye what? All Ye Faithful. And we look at our lives, and if we're honest, sometimes we're like, this seems like it's an invitation for the people who have their act together. This is an invitation for the faithful, for the ones that that don't seem to fall down, for the ones that don't seem to to have a mess of their life. This is for the faithful. And I don't know, but I can feel so often, I look at my life and I'm like, I don't represent the top shelf. I don't represent those who have it all together. And yet, this is an invitation for those people. But I want to let you know, as we get into this message today, and as we dive into the deep 
deeper uh, scriptures and, and the lyrics of, of some of the things that we hear about during the season. I want you to know that when we're talking about an invitation from God, that faithful doesn't mean flawless. Can I get an amen from somebody? That you don't need to be flawless. That this isn't for, for people just kind of rolling through the Christmas season and having their life together. And they bring their kids and the kids all behave and everyone's just singing glorious songs to God. And you're like, that's not me or that's not us. I'm not elite. I'm not super religious. I, I, I'm the one with the mess. I don't know if this is for me, but, but this is the reality of the Christmas story is that the invitation isn't for the flawless, but for those who would open up their lives in the mess that they're in and, and sing and invite and respond to the invitation of God. And so we sing the song with everyone else. We do what we do like we just did. We just sang Christmas songs and they're beautiful songs and I think we should sing them. But if we're not careful, again, we can just go right through it like we're singing Away in the Manger. I mean, do any of you like actually look at the lyrics when you're singing? You're like, no crying did he make. I think Jesus cried. Like anybody with me on that, like you're saying, no, cry. Nah, I think he cried. But we do. It. And again, I don't think we should like rewrite the songs. Let's sing the songs. They're beautiful. But we'll either detach ourselves from it because it's just tradition, or we might subconsciously cancel ourselves out because we're not living this perfect, beautiful life. We don't have all everything together. And so when you're thinking of this song and you're thinking of this series and you're thinking of the invitation of God, I want you to know that God isn't inviting the elite. He's inviting all of us. This series is an invitation for all of us to worship God and to behold God and to encounter God because this series is not, is not about the flawless. It's an invitation for all. In fact, there's a new song that I love. Um, I, I'm into the classics for sure. In fact, like Bing Crosby's kind of my jam right there. I love those J-I-N-G. No? Okay, well, um, or maybe you're like, no, Brian, we do like him, just not you singing him. Okay, uh, I get that. But I'm all for the classics. But there is some beautiful new Christmas songs that are being written. In fact, we are going to end the service today. Rather than having you stand at the beginning, we're going to have you stay seated. And we're going to look at a song from the scriptures that our band wrote. And it's a beautiful song. But um, there's beautiful new music being written, including a song uh, that made me really think about this song, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And, and it's by Sovereign Grace Music. And they did a little bit of a twist on this song. And the title of their song is Oh Come All You Unfaithful. And it's, it's, not, um, it's not really a spin. It's not, it's not satire. It's actually trying to get to the heart of what the Christmas story is about because so many of us feel like I don't fit. I don't belong. Or even if I do belong, I sure feel broken in the midst of it because God is inviting the perfect, but he's inviting the overlooked, the, the marginalized, those who are confused or disturbed or, or troubled on the inside. And so I'm not going to sing this song for you. You're welcome. Uh, but I do want to show you some of the lyrics of this song as we get into the message today. And here's how this song goes. Oh, come all you unfaithful, come weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. O come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. It is an invitation to all of us who just feel a bit broken. And it finishes with this beautiful and simple line, Christ is born, Christ is born, Christ is born for you. And it's such a powerful song. Jesus didn't come for the flawless. He, he, he didn't come for the mess 
less. He came for you and he came for me. And we are all invited to encounter God and participate in what he's doing. In fact, when it is this idea of Christ is born for you, so often during Christmas time, we hear people kind of make sure that everyone knows like to keep the Christ in Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's all fine. And we hear this phrase, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I don't disagree with that. I have no beef with this statement. Uh, and it's this reminder. This is why people say this, because there's all the pageantry and all the stuff and all the, all the stuff. And we, we don't want to forget that Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, but here's what I want to bring to the table today is that when we look at the scriptures, when you actually don't just kind of coast through with all the holiday stuff and sing all, all the, even the, the, the church songs of Christmas, if you were to slow down and look at the heartbeat of God and, and the pursuit and the passion of God towards a very weary and flawed world, it's not that Jesus is the reason for the season. Of course he is. But you need to know this, is that you are the reason for the season. Like the reason why Jesus came, the reason why there's Christmas, why did God so love the world that he gave, that he sent his son to the earth because a weary world needed to rejoice that God sees you. He sees you where you are when you don't feel faithful and you don't feel like you measure up and and there's all these expectations no matter who you are, what your background, no matter what your age or state of life, no matter how glued to God you feel like you are or aren't, the reason why Christmas is here is because God sees you right where you are, and you are invited. And so we've been saying this every week of this series, come from wherever you are, in whatever condition that you are in, to encounter God and participate in the work that God is doing. And it is my prayer as a pastor that every teenager here, every kid, every college student, regardless of your age and stage of life, for those of you who are empty nesters, for those of you who are here late because you're trying to get your like 1045, Brian, do you know how hard it is for me to get my kids here? But I, I get it, but no matter who you are, no matter how weary you are, that you would understand that rather than just breezing through or faking your way through, to, to actually encounter God in this time, there is something that God wants to do in and through you, no matter where you're at. And so today, what I want to do is I want to look at two people in the Christmas story. These two people may seem like polar opposites, but they actually had kind of the same situation and the same response to the situation initially. And then they made different decisions based off of what they encountered. And I think it will help be helpful for us in this day and this hour. And the two people in the Christmas story that we're going to look at today are Mary and Herod. Now, again, I'm assuming a little bit that you've heard the Christmas story, at least to some degree. And Mary Mary and Herod do not exactly seem like pen pals, right? They're not exactly going to just be best buds when you understand their life. They seem like polar opposites, but the beginning of their stories in the Christmas story actually begins with an encounter or with an invitation, and they are both have kind of the wheels spinning when the invitation from God comes to them. So we're going to look at Mary first, and then we're going to look at Herod. Look at Mary's response here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord 
is with you. So this is scenario number one. Mary's just doing her thing. Most scholars say that she's like a teenager and she's overlooked. She, the women in society are not given the right to vote, not given a right to do many things at all. Their job is, is really to be unseen and unheard. But God shows up to her and says, greetings, uh, you who are highly favored. This seems like a pretty good deal. God shows up and says hello, right? God says, sends his, uh, his uh, angel Gabriel, says, you are highly favored. Seems like a good situation going on. But look at verse 29. Here's her initial response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be, right? Mary was greatly troubled. Now, if I'm in Mary's shoes, I think this is a little PG for how this would be going for me. I, I probably wouldn't be greatly troubled. I would be freaking out, right? Like an angel shows up, ah, and, and he's like, you're highly favored. I don't know. Uh, most of the time when God shows up in people's lives, like, like physically, like not good things happen. Like Old Testament, there's some scary stories. Uh, an angel shows up, says, greeting, you're highly favored. I mean, that's kind of freaky enough. Then the angel says, by the way, I just want you to know, we all know you're a virgin, but you're prego. And so like, again, greatly troubled. What kind of greeting is this? This is uh, greatly troubled indeed. And she is not sure what she's going to do in this moment of processing that God has shown up in her life. The second interruption or the second person in the story happens to be King Herod. And just like Mary, he's doing his thing. He's just a king. And then boom, uh, an invitation shows up that he was not expecting in his life. Let's look at this story. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi uh, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So here is not an angel, but these magi, these people from a, a, another country, another culture, show up in his life and say, hey, we are looking for the king of the Jews. The problem is, is that they are talking to Herod, who is the king of the Jews. But they're like, there's a new one, the Messiah. We've heard about this. We've seen. We're here to, to see him. Let's, let's go. And so Herod has this invitation, has experienced something he was not expecting, just like Mary, and here's his response. It says this, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So two people minding their own business, and God shows up in their life. And their reaction is actually, oddly enough, the same. We have Mary, who was greatly troubled, and King Herod, who was deeply disturbed. And in both of these cases, both of these, all the plans that these people had, Mary had plans, Herod had plans, and all these plans are getting thrown out the window. And in spite of all this, God shows up and reveals his plan. And he says, hey, basically, uh, you have an invitation to encounter me and participate in what I'm doing. And so they have to choose in the midst of being troubled and disturbed, what will our response be? And again, most of us know how this goes. Their responses are different. Mary rejoices and Herod resists. 
in the midst of this, like, I, I wasn't expecting this. My, my plans are being thrown out the window. My life is going to be different from here on out. Um, one is a, a greeting of kind of good news for Mary, like you're highly favored. But how many of you would agree with me when you think about it? Sometimes even good news can be overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? Like, like um, hey, you're a senior in college. It's time to choose what school you're going to pick. And they're like, I know. Ah, right? Like, this is a good thing, but it's like, this is like hard. Or, or what is your job going to be? Or what's your career? My daughter, Eva, is in the fifth grade. She came home the other day and she was dead serious. She's like, Dad, I don't know what school I'm going to go to. I'm like, you mean Rosemont Middle School? Because we already got that figured out. You mean, like, hi, like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, what college? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You are 11. Enjoy a girl. Like, no. And she's like, no. And, and even though I'm kind of joking right now, she was dead serious. And there are these things that aren't necessarily bad things, and this happens in life, that even when good things are announced, it brings a new reality to your life that you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I, I wasn't expecting this. When the doctor says, guess what? You're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> With twins. <laughs> right? Like this is, this happens. This is good news, but it changes the game. And Mary has good news told to her, but I mean, think about it. If we can just try for a moment to get into her shoes. There are so many questions. What will my family say? How will society, what will I do? How does this work? What do you mean? What, what happens next? You, you, you came, you said I'm highly favored, but, but everything in life just took a right turn. And yet, as we're about to see, Mary, for somehow, some way, responds in a way that rejoices from this change of life that God is inviting her into. Meanwhile, Herod, Herod resists. One wants to, to partner with God. Herod wants to rule over God. One rejoices, one resists. And so here's my hope for you going into this Christmas week. That whatever's troubling you or disturbing you, whether it's based off of good things that are still overwhelming or you've received some, some news that it, life isn't going to be the way you expected, regardless of what's going on on the inside, the, the, the reality is, is that everybody is invited to encounter God. The reality is, is no matter where you're coming from, there is an invitation. The reason for the season is you. God wants you to encounter him so that a weary world can rejoice. And so my hope this season, no matter what's going on, is that you would experience the God that wants to be encountered. And not only encounter God, but participate with God in the life that he has destined and planned for you, even if it's different than what you expected it to be. So we're going to look at Mary's response. Mary's response is found in Luke chapter 1, and it's this beautiful song, and it's known as the Magnificat. And this, again, if you've been in church or you've read this scripture, you, you probably might have heard of this, but, but this song is this beautiful response 
response to this. She was disturbed, right? She's like, I don't, what, what does this mean? And she's able to process that and respond in a way, kind of, she inhales some really hard news. She inhales some really unexpected news. And something between the inhale and the exhale is a perspective and a, and a partnership where she's able to exhale this rejoicing to God. And this song is, is actually a, a beautiful piece of, of literature. In fact, it stunned theologians and scholars because they're like, how could a teenage girl write this song? And it doesn't look like it in English. We're going to read it in English. Um, but it's actually structured just beautifully, poetically. It also mirrors some songs from the Old Testament in, in some places, um, word for word. Mary actually is singing uh, very much the song of Hannah, found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah was a barren woman who was, was granted a child after years of barrenness, and, and Hannah responds to God, giving glory to God. And Mary, who is now being granted a son, not to give life to a human being, but, but giving life to what would be the light of the world. And Mary, in the contemplation, is able to process all of this. And what she exhales out is this beautiful song that has all of this, this poetic structure and, and, and theology attached to it. And this is what she does. And, and we won't get into all the details of that because what I'm not concerned is about the structure and showing you that as much as show, showing you the heart of Mary when she gets news that was unexpected and how she responds in a way where her heart rejoices rather than resists because she has a, a participation to the invitation of God. So we're going to look at the song together and then we'll, we'll um, unpack it a little bit verse by verse. Here's what it says in verse 46 through 49. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And again, as you look at this, like if I were to sing a song of response to God, uh, finding out some unexpected news, these words probably would not be my, my gut reaction of, of a response. But the reason why I wouldn't say this is because what she is saying is actually re-quoting scriptures back to God. It's, it's packed full of these Old Testament allusions, brilliantly structured, but in the midst of it, in the midst of it, it's a response for all of us to model a response of Mary that reveals her perspective and her participation, where God shows up and she says yes to God in her life and then to be a part of what God is doing from day one to the plans and purposes of healing, redemption, and restoration. Mary had a response that was different from Herod, but it didn't come out of nowhere. 
Some of you know this, that when you get news that was unexpected, most of us don't get to prepare in that moment how our response will be. As a, as a dad of an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, sometimes uh, my kids do things that I wasn't expecting and they do things that I don't get to kind of prepare to respond the right way. I just respond based off of whatever is currently inside and sometimes I have to say, I'm sorry, can I get a witness from some parents out there, right? Like, like whatever happens, I got, something happens and whatever's already in there comes out of me. And Mary, Mary didn't have time to just formulate this thing and go, what's the right thing to say? In the midst of this, some kind of response didn't come out of nowhere. And it's important if we're going to respond like Mary, if in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the changing of plans, in the midst of, of I don't know how this is going to work, if we're going to respond like Mary to God and invite God into the situation, We need to understand not just Mary's response, but we need to understand Mary's life. Because Mary's life, or Mary's song, uh, uh, her song, her reaction and her response came from a life that was saturated in the ways of God. Mary had something on the inside of her where she already had some theology inside of her. She already knew the song of Deborah. She already had this, this saturation in God. So when things uh, kind of went haywire, when, when an angel shows up and goes, the life that you thought you were going to have, you're not going to have. It's good news, but everything will change. You're actually going to experience sorrow and your son is going to die and he will be sacrificed. This is going to be your life now. In the midst of all that she had unexpectedly given to her, as we so often do in our own lives. Mary had a response that came from a life that was saturated in the ways of God. And it's important, again, for us to know in America, as we raise our kids, as we look at what life as a follower of Jesus is like, or what might be like if you were to decide to follow Jesus, we're like, what does it actually look like? If we're not careful, we might think, well, we kind of believe in God. We go to church here and there, kind of raise our kids to have some morals and some things like that. And and hopefully we try to make it through life, except that's just not what we see in Mary's life. Mary was able to sing and respond in theology. And you need to know this about young Israelite men and women is that they were taught the scriptures. They had embedded in them, deep inside of them, before anything bad happened or anything unexpected happened, there was a saturation where these people were learning the songs of Hannah and Deborah and David. And there were traditions and and priorities in their life as families that were weekly and monthly and annually where they, they saturated, they prioritized their life in the teachings of God. And Mary, in the midst of this saturation, something happens. And what comes out of her was something that was already planted there. And if you and I want to have a response to God where we don't fall apart, but we actually participate in the unexpected, where our soul can actually rejoice, we need to understand that our lives, we're not meant to just merely believe in God and get a little taste of God, but to be saturated in God. In in other words, this is what we need to know. Mary's mind was full of scripture and sacred phraseology from what she had heard both in the synagogue and at home. This was the life that she was living. And she was ready for what God had for her. And my encouragement to you this Christmas season is not to breeze by. 
not to carry your spouse's faith, you know, just kind of hitch your wagon to your parents or, or to your spouse or to your friend, but that you, that you would come and adore the one who, who came for you to not leave you where you're at in the midst of the whirlwind of your life so that you wouldn't be overwhelmed and, and feel like you, you're unable to move forward. But Jesus saying, I know it's not what you expected, but I'll be with you in the midst. I came for you. She came with this deeper faith, more than just a superficial song. So let's look at just a few of these verses again. She starts this way. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. When you look at the original language, this idea of glorifying and actually render out the phrase literally, it it, it looks like this. My soul makes great the Lord. My soul enlarges the Lord. This is Mary's perspective. She's like, here's my my perspective is is I'm responding in a way my soul magnifies the Lord. I want my soul to make great the Lord. I want my soul to, to enlarge God. Now, if you're wondering, you and I, even Mary, none of us can make God bigger, okay? Like you and I, we don't have that kind of power. Like, God, let's supersize this today. No, no, God is already omnipresent. He's already omniscient. He's he's all-powerful, omnipotent. God is already who he is. It's not, can we make God bigger? The scriptures say the earth is his footstool. Nothing you and I can do can actually enlarge the Lord, but we can, track with me here, we can magnify or enlarge God in the way that we make room for him in our lives. And Mary is saying, I want to make more room for God in my life, not less. I want to magnify. I want more of God in my life. And so God shows up with an invitation. And Mary says, I'm making room for that. I am making room when things go away I'm not expecting, when I wasn't expecting this in life, when I feel like, like, like this is just overwhelming, I'm going to make room for God. Now, of course, Mary was making room in her belly, uh, but for the rest of us, there is this beyond that that she is saying, I want my whole being, I want to be somebody who's responding to God. But it happened, friends, because she decided to be someone who saturated her, herself in the things of God. I love uh, Rich Velotis, who's a pastor on the East Coast uh, in, in Queens, New York. And I quote him a lot. I just, I really find him, his stuff valuable. And he uh, talks about Advent, which this is the season of Advent. And Advent means anticipation or, or waiting. We're in the season uh, of waiting. Just as people were waiting for the Messiah, we're waiting. And we wait for kind of Christmas to happen. Or in, in an in a end times view, we're waiting for Jesus to return. And, and there's this kind of posture of our heart. And he issues this beautiful, but also kind of like pointed warning, especially to those who follow Jesus and especially in America about making room for God. And he puts it this way. He says, Advent is the season to refocus our energies, to create margin and space for the life of Christ to dwell in and flow through us. He continues, One of the fundamental contradictions of Christian spirituality, at least in the United States, is our deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture, but not have Christ permeate our being. When I read this, I was like, oh, snap, right? 
I looked at this. This is an opportunity, he's saying. Advent is an opportunity to enlarge, to make room to God flow in us and through us. He says, but unfortunately, sometimes, especially in the American church, we want this to be a Christian nation. We want, we want Christianity to pervade our culture, and we're not spending any time magnifying God or asking Christ to permeate our own being. And when we do this, when we get that flip-flop, the church becomes ugly, the church becomes angry, the church becomes uh, finger pointers, and God is saying, I came for you. I want to dwell in you. I want your soul to magnify the Lord because when it's God's spirit that directs our steps, our participation with God looks very different than a religious one that's detached from the actual presence of God in the first place. Christmas is not a time to tell other people about God and point our fingers at people as much as it is for all of us to say yes to more of God in our lives and through our lives so that Christ's light can shine in dark places, including the dark place that you find yourself in. So I want to look at the last few verses because it doesn't just have magnification. There is this participation. And again, she starts quoting some Old Testament scriptures here. Uh, Here's how her song ends. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent away the rich, or sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So she goes into this like, Jesus has come. God is coming. The Messiah is here. This is what God has been doing. This is who God is. This is what God is ushering in, the continuation and really the fulfillment of everything that God has done. It's a picture of the promise that God is coming to heal and to restore and to rescue. And she's basically saying, yes, I participate. I'm blessed because I get to be a part of this. That one day justice will be served, the hurting will be healed, and it will happen through the the redemption that only Jesus can bring, only found through this Messiah. And she is saying, I want to participate with that. And so many of us, God calls us into a life that is different from our natural kind of selfish, just kind of my kingdom thing. You see, Herod, he was totally interested in holding on to his kingdom. But Mary... Mary's like, I just want to be a part of God's kingdom. I want to experience this. And and in this kingdom, depending on which side you're on, there's like good things happening. There's also bad things happening. For Herod, who wants to hold on to his kingdom, where he wants to rule and reign over people, it's not good news to him. But for those who want to partner with God, we see this beautiful picture. It's a kingdom where, where mercy is extended. Let's look at this list here. Mercy is extended, where mighty deeds are performed. The humble are lifted up. The hungry are filled. Promises are kept. This is what God invites us to experience. Even, even the lowly, those of us who feel broken, those of us who feel overwhelmed, God is saying, you've inhaled this change of pace, this change of life. Now exhale out and experience worship. Rejoice in God because this is what God is inviting you into. This is what God will do for you. This is what God is doing around you. Participate in the justice that Jesus will bring. But on the other hand, those who oppose this, who resist this, here in her song, there's kind of the negative. The proud are scattered. 
The rulers are brought down. The rich are sent away empty. This is a picture of people who resist God, who want things their way, and just hold on. Herod held on till the death, saying, nope, I'm going to do it my way. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She understood that God was here for her, being overlooked, feeling overwhelmed, that God came as a Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, to bring this hope for people. So two people kind of experiencing the same unexpected situation, given two options. Both were invited, but Mary responded. And so the question for you and I in this season is this. How are you making room to participate in God's plans to be lived out in and through your life? How are you making room, not for God to just come into your life, but exhale out? How are you participating in? See, Mary, she got this news, and, and she's contemplating. She, she exhaled out this beautiful song, but it didn't end with the song. She ends up participating with Elizabeth. She goes on a journey. She begins to engage in the things of God. She surrounds herself with people who were also saying yes to what God was doing next. What does it mean for us to exhale out? It's a perspective saturated in the good things of God. It's saying, God, if I'm going to respond like this, I need more of you in my life. And I just wonder, whatever you're going through, I've met with so many people just this month alone. And I'm looking at them like you probably look at each other and go, man, if only I could be as disciplined as this person. Only I could be as nice as that person. If only I could be as committed as this person. Then I begin to have meetings with these people that seemingly have everything together. And they're like, Brian, if I'm honest, I am a wreck on the inside. I feel so detached. I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so much pressure to perform. So much expectation is on me that either they have placed on themselves or someone else has placed on them. Think of Mary. You're the the mother of the Messiah, the expectation. But there was something deep within her that responded in a way to say, God, I want to make room for you because it's through you that I will be able to be who you've invited me to be, to experience you and your goodness and your grace and to see your kingdom established in healing and wholeness. This is why We're here. So to close the service today, I want to invite you to take your communion elements. Just kind of sit right where you're at. Just kind of hold on to it for just a moment. We'll participate together. But friends, you are the reason for the season. Jesus came not to give you a religion, not to give you a Christmas tradition, not to give you a mere belief in God. But he came and dwelt among us. God with us, Emmanuel, to walk with you, to meet you right where you're at. And you may say, Brian, I'm in church, but I'm, I'm feeling so, so at war on the inside. Maybe you're saying, Brian, I'm, I'm in church, but I'm far from God. Maybe you're here to say, Brian, I, I'm, I believe in God, but I'm still resisting what God wants to do in my life. 
Let's be reminded of how this song ends, this, oh, come all you unfaithful. It says this, if we have it up on the screen. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Come weak and unstable. Come, no, you are not alone. Come barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come. See what your God has done. And so, we are here to be reminded, and not just reminded, but to participate and to have a perspective that says, God, I want to make room for you. I want to magnify the Lord. And that's why we take communion, to slow down, even in a church service, to go, I remember that Jesus came to set me free. And what we're going to do is the band wrote a song based off of Mary's song. It's a beautiful song. I'm going to ask you at the beginning of this song to remain seated. And then maybe halfway through the song, we'll just follow the cues of the band, stand up and sing. But to just contemplate, to allow these lyrics to, to become your lyrics. But during that time, this is an opportunity to participate in communion. It's for those of us who are followers of Jesus to remember that Christ died for us, that we have, have been provided a way through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you peel back that first layer, you see that piece of bread. That wafer represents his body, that Jesus became flesh. He understands what it's like to be fully human. That God did not shout his love from heaven, but he showed his love here on earth. And we take communion and we eat the bread, reminding ourselves that his body was given for us. Then we peel back that second layer that reveals the juice. It represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. No matter what you're holding on to, no matter what shame you carry, I'm meeting people all the time that have an O in their hearts. It's like, oh, if I had only been a better parent. Oh, if I had only done this for my kids. Oh, if I only had made this decision. And there's shame and regret and they're carrying this burden that they were never meant to carry. Because the scriptures say, as far as the east is from the west, so your sins shall be removed from you. And this communion is an opportunity to take the burden that God came to remove from you. And he says this, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. So during this song, as we think of magnifying the Lord, maybe magnifying is just going, God, I'm going to give you what is yours. Teach me what it is to live in the freedom that you offer. So at your own time, when you're ready during the song, partake in communion, and then we'll wrap up by singing in the song with the band.